0: Welcome to the Underscore Transformation podcast. My name is Joe Ailes. My name is Jason West. And together we're the founders of Underscore. In season two, we're focusing on implementation and the challenges that surround designing, building and testing your business transformation. So in today's episode, um, we consider the integrated team of suppliers that are involved in delivering a transformation and a common trait transformation programs that get into difficulties is the misunderstanding and confusion surrounding the roles of the internal program team, external management consultants, maybe client side advisors, technology vendors, and system implementation partners. So Jason, how do we avoid misunderstandings and stop ourselves reaching for our lawyer friends at the first signs of trouble? That's a good question. If
1: you're you're calling the lawyers, then you're in real trouble. (laughs) Yes. So, unsurprisingly, you know, it starts with scoping the programme correctly, and um, as we talk through this build phase, we will keep referring back to scoping, because you get the scoping right and the build is is significantly easier. So during that that scoping work, you you really should have already mapped out the various parties that are going to be involved at the various stages Mm. of your programme. And being clear about who's responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed at each of, of those critical steps, and wherever humanly possible, mm. uh, you should always make sure that those those racy are absolutely defined within the contracts that you have mm. with your suppliers. So you have statements of work that clearly define. Mm who is responsible and accountable for for each of the various activities that that your integrated team is going to fulfill together so that that's kind of the contractual side and and you really yeah. need to have kind of sorted that out uh, before you get to, to kicking off your implementation um, but on that point before mm. you involve a wider group of people in a in a kickoff a launch uh, of your transformation program you really do want to get your your integrated program team together so the the team of um your internal project team members mm. uh any um uh, systems integrator yeah. technology vendor management consultants external advisors Advises, yeah anybody that's going to be part of this integrated team with a role Mm. to play you want to get them in the same room at the same time now this might mean flying people in from other countries but getting them together right at the beginning and being really Mm. clear with them about what we're doing why Mm. we're doing it and really stepping through that racy to to be clear about who's doing what make sure there aren't any confusions any Mm. overlaps you know stuff doesn't Fall between the cracks mm. of these different teams is is absolutely key.
0: Yeah. So in last week's episode, actually, we made reference to this in the, mis- you know, making sure that people don't do, misunderstand the roles and responsibilities of uh, of um, the systems integrators and, and and those that are making design decisions. So yeah. it, it is important to have. at the the very beginning at the very outset, clarity about who's responsible for what, so that there is no ambiguity, yes when inevitably you're going to have to have some difficult conversations along the way because these things are never plain sailing yeah
1: and and you know on the on that point the as you go through these these programs at times things get a bit difficult, relationships can get strained and and investing the time up front by getting people together mm. um and and agreeing. Not just you know, who does what, but mm. that's important, obviously, but also how we're going to work together. Yeah. Because this is a team of individuals mm. at the end of the day. They, they work for different organisations. They've got their own personal objectives, their own commercial drivers, mm. Mm. Um, but they're working together towards a common goal. Well, yeah. you certainly hope they are. Yeah, yeah. But investing the time up front to make sure that we agree together what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? Who's going to do what? But but also, how are we going to behave. treat each other? Behave? How are we yeah. going to work together? And getting that formed up into a team charter, a set of green card red card type yeah, behaviors yeah, yeah. that's worked well yeah. absolutely um because it, you know, you're you do have mm. these different priorities these different drivers and 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 starting to tease some of that out up front and and uh, get to that common understanding and and then agreed way of working will make it infinitely easier mm. Mm as you're, you know, on a call at 11 o'clock at night, (laughs) you Mm. know, deep into the heart of, you know, testing, and Mm. uh, you've got somebody that's desperately trying to fix a problem, you know, halfway around the world on something that you're, Mm. you know, you need to to sign off or go live with or whatever it might be. The fact that you've Sat down together you've the, you 've met face to face that you you 've agreed where oh. you 're going why you 're going there and and have some fun
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and the point is this is this is a uh, um, it's, it's really really important in twofold one is to understand roles and responsibilities and make, and make sure that there is no ambiguity mm-hmm. in terms of like who's what am I here to do. And um, what are they here to do? Yes. But the, the 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 second point actually is a one of collaboration, isn't it? You know, this is an integrated program team. For the program to be successful, um, every single component of it, uh, every single element of it, needs to sort of be facing in the same direction and working to the same goals. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, and this is not if you if you start to develop a relationship, uh, not relationship. If you start to develop um, a them and us. Uh, culture uh, among the program team, you're on on bad grounds, on yes. terrible footing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: because everyone will be watching their backs.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, and
0: uh, there's some really good frameworks out
1: there around yeah. collaboration. So there's uh, the relatively new ISO 44,001 um, to to get the kind of yeah, very yeah. structured Come around on, it. it. well
0: yeah. well researched there, Jason. Yeah, well yeah, done. Absolutely. So, <laughs> just
1: looked it up. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty good. It is. It is really really good. <laughs> uh, you know, some useful yeah. stuff in there. Um, uh, that, that's worth having a look at. Um, we, you know, we've talked about uh, in the first um, episode of this uh, season the, uh, the the work you need to do around resourcing your program and documenting roles and responsibilities and why that's important, I think at this stage it becomes really important because before somebody that you second onto the program into a subject matter expert role or a process owner role or whatever it might be, before they can really start to understand, well, what's the role of the system integrator versus the technology vendor versus this management consultant? That they need to understand their role first. Mm. They're not going to be in the right headspace to really get. Well, what what are all these different people doing? Well, what am I doing? Yes, so exactly. start with the individual. Get yeah, yeah. get them comfortable first. So before you get to that kickoff meeting, you really do want to have sat down with each of the individuals and made sure they're clear on their role, mm. so they can devote the time when they're together with these other people to forming relationships and, yeah. and actually forming up as a team rather than sat there worrying about, well, what does this mean for me? Well, what am I going to uh, do? Uh,
0: and um, equally importantly is um, the uh, establishing at the very outset, people that are brought into the program, seconded into the program, they haven't been involved in those relationships, maybe in the, sele- in the vendor selection processes, they haven't established those relationships
1: yes, yeah. with
0: those uh, vendors. Um because it's not you know this is not the first time that the vendor would have met with that organization. It would have been a process. There would have been a procurement process yes. way further way back then, back when. That members of the program team will have created strong relationships with. And when you second the individuals into 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 projects for the first time, this is the first time that they see the whites of the eyes of the people that are going to 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 help their 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 organization achieve their goals. Yeah. So you need to invest time and effort. In build, building uh, a, a culture and environment of trust and collaboration and uh, um, and friendliness among yeah them. A, d- uh, a
1: truly integrated a, team it, a team yeah and, and spending time on on forming this group of disparate individuals from different companies together yeah. as a properly integrated team that, that that share common goals objectives and ways of working yeah get that right up front and life becomes a heck of a lot easier yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- that's probably one of the first things you can do to to not have to reach into the drawer and start pulling out yeah, contracts yeah. to beat up a supplier with um, the the other side to it is uh, you know great you do that work up front but mm. you have to keep working it mm. um, and either the Transformation lead or the program director, program manager, mm-hmm. you know, combination of the two really um, need to work hard on monitoring individuals' understandings, not just within their their, you know, that your. Internal program team, but you know, the the understanding, the expectations, the behaviours of the integrated program team, and where where required, they're going to need to take intervention mm. uh, steps. You uh, know, maybe it's a particular individual in one supplier that's kind of going Veering off a bit, off track, yeah. <laughs> a bit of an odd direction. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to manage that in the right way, in in the mm. way the ways that you've agreed with with that suppliers project manager, management chain, whatever it is, how you're going to deal with these sorts of issues. Um, But, you know, making sure those misunderstandings don't start creeping in and stuff does fall between the gaps. So I think that constant checking in and management of the individuals and the team as being an important focus as well as on the task Mm. at hand. It's very easy for program teams to become... Incredibly task focused, incredibly mm. outcome focused, and they kind of forget the people elements of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So we're, you know, we held our kickoff, we're yeah. managing the individuals and the team, but, you know, we really do need to think a bit more about structure. Mm. Um, so, the, what are the kind of key groups of individuals and suppliers that make up an integrated program team? Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got your internal program team. Um, yeah. And we've talked at length in previous episodes about what those roles are you know work work stream leads and process owners et cetera all of that needs to be documented we need to there needs to be clarity as to who is accountable for making what decisions because the suppliers the vendors they are ultimately producing something for you they need to know who to turn to when they need some some light yes um then you've got other groups of people um and depending on the size of your of your program that you may draw on so Um, Management consultancies, for instance, Um, and interestingly, uh, many of our management consult many of the management consultancies consultancies out there uh, have got capability on both the system integration space, so making configuration changes to products, but also they've got um, experience in. Change management and program management and 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 fulfilling the role that perhaps should sit client side. Is it? So they've got capability in that, and it's really really important that um, clients that engage, um, you know, the big four or the big consulting firms to do to execute the system implementation for them, they're, they're very, very clear in terms of what role are they there to fulfil. So.
1: Yes, yeah, because the role of management consultants really should be in that kind of advisory gu- guidance and, yeah. and helping Best you define the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, bringing in people with expertise in, in your corporate function, whatever that might yeah. be, um, helping, uh, they're there to help you define the strategy but it's your decision, what your strategy yeah, is. No external person going to tell you what it should be.
0: No, yeah. If, and if they are, you shouldn't you yeah. shouldn't accept it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should make sure it's yeah. your. Some warning bells should be going yes, off. Exactly.
1: Um, uh, but you know, they they they're also there to help you work through your target operating model design. Yeah. Um, and how that fits into the overarching enterprise architecture. And like you say, bringing in that best practice, insight, recommendations. uh, And they do and can play an active role in change management, as you say. Um, But it's not just the big four. There's uh, a wealth of specialist boutique firms out there that know some focus just on strategy some just on target operating model design some just on one functional area yeah. or the other uh, there's lots of different ways of cutting that up mm. but um that role of uh, management consultant for want of a better term could be fulfilled by a senior interim mm. or a, an experienced um, contractor yeah,
0: somebody's been dead on it yeah
1: yeah the, 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 that's got the experience mm. of running these types of processes I, th- I think it's probably just worth worth thinking through that um, we've talked quite a lot about the the solution design um, accountabilities mm. within the internal program team, but it's more than just making design decisions, isn't it? Uh, the program teams there ultimately to make sure you deliver the benefits and yeah. the committed business case, but that that also involves some technical stuff as well, mm. because it, it's the it's your internal team that totally. need to ensure that whatever gets created um, is fully tested. The, it's been mm. validated as meeting um, business requirements. So it's not just verified that, yes, it meets the, these specifications, mm. but it's validated that, yeah, it's fit for purpose. That any change, the, the, any business change, people change, has been effectively delivered, that people are adopting new ways of working. Mm. And then right at, at the upfront, um, it's the internal program team that's uh, often accountable for extracting data concurrent systems, cleansing it, transforming it, Mm. and then loading it into whatever your new technology is. So there's actually an awful lot of um, responsibility and accountability and work Mm. that sits on the internal program Mm. team side. Uh, And I I think where organizations can get into trouble is where they expect that a lot of that work is what the implementation partner is there to do. And they don't adequately resource the internal program team And they assume that just seconding some people in that are experts in procure to pay Mm. or order to cash or whatever it might be uh, Mm. benefits, just getting those subject matter experts in uh, is enough. That Mm. that they don't need to worry too much about, you know, sort of data analysts and business analysts Mm. and testers and test managers and all this other stuff. That Mm. accountability sits with the client.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's um, if you think about it. Majority, most the, most of the accountability of delivering and executing the program sits with that on client client side. Yeah. So um, if if we look at uh, in, in its in broad in its broadest sense, um, the client is expected to deliver data in a format that is transformable into the destination system that's being procured. Yeah. So that's you know, and it's, it's the responsibility of the client to make sure that that data is of good quality. So an awful lot of work needs to be done around data quality and so on. The it's the client's responsibility to make the design decisions. So yeah. that's where we talked a little bit about advisors and interims and people that have been there and done it to come in and help the client make sensible design decisions, because the, the, the those implementation partners are, are there to receive instruction about what the client wants. They can provide options, but that's, that's where their, yeah. their, their responsibility, their accountability stops.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Um, the other one is, again, delivering a technology solution. They are not the, the system integrators, or the systems partners. They're not going to sit there and give you a testing strategy. Mm. You've got to create a testing strategy yourself. Yes. And you have got to test it yourself. They will do their own testing to make sure that the configuration that they've built has been done well. Or, yeah. but ultimately, it's your responsibility on a client side to make sure that you've got you've tested the system and the process, the tool, whatever you've, it is you've 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 acquired or implementing to death. Yes. Um again, it's, it's change management. It's not the system implementer's responsibility. It's client side responsibility to do that. I think one that often
1: gets confused mm. is is around integrating your new system into the rest of the architecture. So yeah. often the implementation partner is there to build an in- interface out of their system or off, into it. Off, or, or into it, but they're, yeah. they're going from their system out. Yeah. For example, if it's an outbound, they're going from yeah. their system out to something else. They're not often there to to uh, make the changes to that target system to accept that interface and, and make sure the data all arrives in the right format that's and all right. the rest of it they're really just working from their system either uh, with information coming in or going out the, yeah. it's actually the client that's uh, accountable um, yeah, uh, for the end-to-end operation of that that,
0: that integration mm. or interface yeah and if you're implementing a system that um, that affects you know, the entire sort of enterprise architecture and you you and you're putting in integrations and all sorts of different things you've when we're talking about suppliers you've got to engage the suppliers of those systems as well in, yes. in your process yeah in, in, in your transformation because ultimately yeah. you might have to make changes to to those systems of records that you're integrating with so it, yeah it's not um, they're there to give to receive a, a specification of what data do you want to go where, in what format, um, and you know, frequency of it. Yeah, um, and that's and, and that's what they will do. And uh, on that
1: topic of other mm. vendors, there, there's the, the 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 suppliers that, that provide your current uh, services and systems mm. that you perhaps are retiring. So there, you need to think through, well, what, what a, you know, let's read the contract before we think about talking to them about terminating it. Yeah. You know, what support do we need from them uh, in, in, during the life of this programme and beyond? And how do we make sure that we have the right commercial discussions at the right time to, to mm. ensure that we get what we need and, and there's an equitable commercial arrangement that, that they're comfortable enough with yeah. that they're going to do what they we need them to do. Yeah. Um, so that's something that can often get forgotten. Uh, even during the business case phase, we make an assumption that we can switch off this system as soon as we go live, but hold on, we've got a contract that says, well, mm. we owe them for the next four years. Yeah. So it's important to think about not just the vendors to your program, but to uh, the, the le- vendors of legacy yeah. systems and services that, that are uh, being provided today.
0: I mean, you know, we talked in in, in about business case in previous episodes, and, and, and the need to be very the need for to to be very clear about what you're trying to to do, and you know, total cost of ownership around systems and so on. Um, not not don't want to get too technical here, but the one of the the key things to think about. Uh, when you're talking about vendors and and particularly around technology is if you're decommissioning a piece of software because you're implementing something else, be sure that you can decommission it not just from a contractual perspective but actually from a data yeah standpoint yeah you know, legacy data and and don't just assume that you can decommission something at a point of this this New feed, this new system goes live. Yeah,
1: because not all the
0: data might be in it. You, the, the you might need to access it. Data, different data architectures, yeah. uh, all sorts of different things that, that uh, will prevent you from um, uh, migrating that data set in its entirety. And then guess what? The assumption that you made in your business case that you were going to retire something won't happen. Yeah. Um, so, so be sure that before you start talking about retiring systems in your business case... Which is a previous episode and be sure that you can
1: I, I think it's brilliant only yeah. you could take in a conversation about vendors and turn it into one about data complete <laughs> geek um, so just to get us back on track yeah uh, we talked about the internal program team Are you talked about integrations yeah, in the context of implementation partners I didn't start going on about legacy data Good oh, man.
0: you're listening to the underscore transformation podcast This podcast is brought to you by Underscore, the Transformation Capability Specialists. To find
1: out more, visit underscore-group.com we've talked about internal program teams we talked about management consultants we've talked about implementation partners yes.
0: we need to talk about client side advisors Oh, important group yes important group um, these can be your sounding board yeah uh, this can give you the uh, voice can be your voice of reason on your program <laughs> yeah. um, or at least bitter experience yes yeah they, they'll probably be bitter and they'll probably <laughs> be asking really difficult questions these are the individuals that the, the, the program team not the program team not a vendor uh, vendors probably like too much. Yeah, um, they dig. They dig beneath the surface, um, and uh, and this is not about uh, picking holes in anything. This is really about their role is there to make sure that the program achieves what it's trying to achieve yeah. based on their set, the, the experience that they've got.
1: But you can plug them in at different levels, yeah, can't absolutely, you? So there's, yeah. I think there's two options. There's, you either plug them into the program team itself, so to the design authority, to the process owners, as that sounding board, as yeah. that external advisor that, that's talking to them about best practice. And oh, you might be thinking you could do it that way, but here's the operational impact that I've experienced yeah. in company Y.
0: And they'll be the mo- they'll, That's where they'll have the most impact. Yeah, they'll have the most impact at that at that level. It's, um, you know, in. Not in a huge amount of detail, but really helping shape thinking. Yes, yeah. Um, rather than – which is the other option is to put them on, a, on an exec, executive yeah, steering Yeah, so committee.
1: it's either you plug them into the design boards and the yeah. design decisions or you plug them in a, at a governance level at yeah. that. Either operational steering committee, executives – well, not really operational, really executive steering yeah. committee – or program board sort yeah. of level. It's one of those two. It's either the program board or it's the exec steering committee.
0: And 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 that could work. The challenge is the challenge with just just using that as a as, as a as a as a as a channel is that a lot of it's how do you influence design?
1: Yeah, because
0: right? a lot of the design has probably been made. It just it, it does become a um, a QA type role. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is important. And don't get me wrong, if if it, as a, if, if I was a sponsor, I would look to have something alongside me, someone alongside me that understands the trajectory that we're going in and where trapdoors are likely to yeah. be so that I can prepare myself and the a, and a program team and so on and everybody around me about, okay, what are the issues that we're yeah. likely to, to encounter? But it's not
1: neither or, is it? You you can have somebody at the executive steering committee level, and down, yeah, and at the and at the design level that's bringing that real experience in. So you've got the person at the exec level asking those really horrible probing questions Mm. that as a program manager or as a a transformation lead you just don't want someone asking.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, so they're there to ask the difficult questions and to bring that um, external validation that what's being designed. Within the program is actually going to work. Yeah. Um, but then the, the the design teams have got that external perspective from a different individual mm. um, that, that's helping them make those those really well founded design decisions. So the challenge that's coming in through a, perhaps an external advisor at the, uh, during the exec steer co are, are being well, well answered, mm. if you like. Yeah, so yeah. you're not reliant on a really experienced individual just catching things at the exec steer co level. You've plugged in somebody potentially equally as experienced, mm. uh, but perhaps a bit more operationally focused, a bit more in the detail, mm. uh, to make sure that the things work effectively in that design
0: yeah.
1: space. Um, so the final um, yeah. supplier uh, is your new technology vendor. Yes. So what are they there to do?
0: Technology vendors are there to provide the technology. Yeah. They're not... They're not there to to design your processes for you. They're they're providing technology as a service. Yeah. Here's a kit that I'm gonna to give to you. Use a system implementation partner to configure it as you as as you as you wish, within the constraints of of, of the of the capabilities I'm giving you as a, as as technology. And but that's that's all it is. Yeah. Um, you know. Clearly, the, the the technology vendors are designing things on best practice, on um, you know using lots and lots of customers to to um, to beta test certain certain designs. So they're always evolving their product to yeah. to meet the latest sort of thinking around whether it's finance procurement or HR. Um, but they are there to do they're, they're, all they're there to do is to provide you a platform
1: so they they're there to provide that platform they they need to make sure that it's you know as bug free as it can be that yeah. they're providing that third level support to you as a as a client yeah. um, and that it gets enhanced in the right way so as a as a customer of that vendor really engaging with whatever their product development process is Absolutely. whatever their user groups are yes. even though we're talking about Implementation right now. Get involved now. Early, early. Yeah.
0: Influence the roadmap. Um, yeah. And and actually, if you're for large enterprises and and for large for large corporations, um, technology vendors will be keen to get those technology th- those um, in- individuals involved anyway. Yeah. You know to develop to to develop product to help them develop um, their their roadmap. Yeah. The technology vendors are also got a vested interest in this thing landing well. Mm-hmm um so they 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 will often um in some cases some 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 technology vendors will play a role of sort of quality assurance making sure that um the system implementation partners are doing what they need to do yes um that they're making the right configuration design decisions in in the system yeah
1: they followed the implementation process they ticked the right boxes absolutely
0: but they're not there to make sure that you've done your change management and they're not quality assuring your program, let's be clear. They're not yeah. quality assuring the program, they're just quality assuring the fact that the technology is being configured in accordance with their criteria.
1: Yeah, and and they're not quality assuring the design.
0: No, they're not quality assuring the yeah. design. So if you've got 7,000 lines of, of objects that you've created, they're not sitting there asking, are you sure you want to create 7,000? Yeah. Uh, when 20 would do, uh, they, they say, okay, fine, if, if you've got 7,000, there must be a good reason for you to requ- request 7,000. Yes. I'm not questioning that. I'm just going to make sure that the 7,000 have been configured and set up correctly in the system. Yeah.
1: And I think this is where your client-side advisors come in. Yes, they would be the ones that sort are of saying, "Hold on, seven. That's not quite right. Yes. You're going to have these issues in operation. It's going to be a nightmare to support. Actually, your reporting is going to be horrible. Yeah. You know, it's that you're not going to get that from your technology vendor. You would kind of really need to look at that from yeah. out, from elsewhere. Um, you can you can do without it. Um, mm. all, all that means is that your you will find you will get to the same solution eventually but you'll learn it in production when everything's live in front of a, a you know a live studio audience yeah. with the, the CEO looking at their pace, look going, why is this not right? Yeah. And all those kind of fun yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where the value comes in, is yeah. that you you're, you stand on the shoulder of giants wherever possible. Okay. Um, so they're, they're, they're the kind of the nicely set out roles, but you've already touched on where a management consultant organisation can yeah. have an implementation partner and being clear about where where the differences are and yeah. are you acting in the role of our Management consultant, or in the role of our implementation partner, because mm. even though the name across the door is the same, they're totally different teams, and yeah. a lot of these are partnership models, so yeah, yeah. they really don't talk to they're, each other. They're
0: different individuals, and yeah. they? they are different teams. They are different individuals. Yeah. Right? So
1: be clear about what you're contracting for. But the other one is is around vendors, technology mm. vendors, because some some of them have implementation teams. Yes. So you need to distinguish between: Am I talking to you as? a technology vendor or as an implementation partner yeah, that's true. And, and just make sure that you're clear about in what role and which individuals and mm. how, how you're engaging because it can be really easy to kind of get all that very muddled and mm. uh things break down quite
0: quickly yeah in our, in, we talked um, just earlier about this team charter mm. um call it out you know, yeah. Call it out. So if I've got a if if the inter, if the technology vendor is my implementation partner, who do I go to to influence roadmap? Yeah. Is it the guy standing in front of me, who's doing the configuration, or uh, is it someone else? Yes. Yeah. Be be clear as to what your escalation points are in in those situations. And likewise, if you're using a system implementa- implementer and a management consultant using the same brand do the same thing. Yeah. Be sure yeah. that you know, there they are different teams, there are different individuals. Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll often have different contracts. Yeah. yeah.
1: They will have physically different contracts that yeah. need to be negotiated separately and they're, they're written very, very differently because yeah. they're fundamentally different services.
0: Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? The, uh, when management consultants, uh, when, when organisations that engage um, the system implementer and the management consultant at the same time um, contractually, and yeah, you know, just just be very mindful of of, of how that would work. Yeah, um, there are some pitfalls um, along the way where the the manage, that that management that consultancy firm is accountable for delivering both. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, be be sure that you stay on your side of the fence, client side. Um, they've got plenty of QA and assurance assurances and. Um, checks in place to make sure that everything's going according accordance to plan.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to kind of managing these supplier relationships, I think one area that it can uh, often come to a bit of mm. a head, especially if you're a, a large and strategically important client to either a management consultant, an implementation partner, or a technology vendor, or in certain mm. circumstances, all three. Yeah. Uh, uh, oftentimes, they are very keen to play an active role in your governance structure. Mm. So to have individuals from those organisations sat on your executive steering committee, yes. Um, and it can be, you know, great, oh, wonderful, uh, Deloitte mm. or KPMG or whoever. Mm. They're, they're going to, you know, send a senior partner and they're going to sit on our exec steering committee. Isn't that great? Mm.
0: Um, but there are kind of pros and cons. Yes. Yeah. Um, in a true spirit of collaboration, absolutely. Um, transparency, and, and so on. It does have benefits. Yeah, you know,
1: if you've got a problem with a particular
0: vendor and they're sat on
1: the, your exec steer co, they, they have to, you know, stare at and the white yeah. to the eyes yeah, of their client and, 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 yeah. and, you know, face into it. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, but... um but it's it's it can be counterproductive in some areas. Yeah, you you might have constraints on budget when you start talking about financials of the program. Never have these individuals involved in mm. in, in a room at that point. Yeah, they they have commercial drivers, and uh, yeah. that's right. So that if if you if they are part of your exec circle, be sure that you segregate discussion. Um, to discuss program points and maybe financial points or, or business strategy points. Yes. Yeah. That they are are that are driving the transformation that you perhaps don't want to be publicized and, and known externally outside the, the walls of the exec
1: yes yeah and so, yeah, you you're you're often making significant changes to team structures and yeah. numbers of employees yeah. will be affected yeah, exactly. so is it appropriate to have those discussions with an external party in the room yeah yeah so just yeah i think you know, absolutely include them in the right way maybe as a separate forum yeah um, with, the, with the executive sponsor and, you know, give them access to, yeah. to the exec because it's really valuable having those relationships at the executive mm. level but be mindful about those, those executives. The, the role goes. that they play
0: in, in, in the governance of the program. Yes. That's the key, yeah. right? It's, it, the exec steering committee is there to govern the program yeah. and to provide executive direction to the project and sign off and so on. Um, there are different ways and different mechanisms of engaging them, and it, it, they they absolutely need to have line of sight um, and a channel into the sponsor. It's it's vital. Yeah. The, the sponsor needs to feel they can pick up the phone and speak to somebody, one of their suppliers, and and that that, that relationship, that dialogue, needs to um, in, you know be encouraged. Yes, yeah, um, but in a formal governance structure. I'd be reluctant to 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 include them for the entire. Exact yeah, for the account. entire meeting. Yeah,
1: so we're we're going to touch on governance, not touch on. We're going to have mm. quite a, an in-depth discussion about governance in a, a, future, a future episode. episode. I yeah. think it, it will be perhaps the the, the last one that we mm. we touch on in this season, um, mm. but we'll we'll mm. revisit this topic. So that that's kind of your large, strategically important clients. At mm. so The slightly like other end of the scale, your small to mid-size enterprises. They might not have enough budget to go out and engage a management consultancy um, to to provide that input during design or to mm. uh, to, to sit on an exec's to hear go. Um If that's the case, what what can organisations do where they don't have the budget to go to a, a management consultancy to get that input on design? What well, what what
0: can they do? Client advisors, isn't it? the client side advisor engage with somebody that's been there, done it before, um, and then. Support go out and get individuals that have been there, done it, to work alongside your program team. They've probably not got experience in having done this before. Um, so yeah, and and use that that, that expertise.
1: Yes, and there's yeah.
0: plenty of expertise in the market without needing to go to. To, you know, oh, absolutely! The big, yeah. big consulting firms. Yes, yeah, and I
1: think the other thing to do, and we've touched on it previously, is uh, make sure your process owners go out and, and tap into their networks and go yeah. and, and visit other organisations, see what good looks like elsewhere, get ideas, yeah. and give them space and time to actually go and do that work, yeah. um, do some reading, do you know, do some investigation, some research.
0: Yeah. And client advisors can help unlock those those yes. types of, um, yeah. um, um, of of exchange changes you know yeah. they, 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 these individuals will have a network of themselves you know they so you know bring the, the the client advisor to help you just make sure you stay on track and you don't do anything silly to hurt yourself yes yeah and you know can you find can you leverage them to open opportunities and and um to to network uh, in other organizations and the, the that that in itself will be valuable yes yeah
1: so I think if we just step through to um how to get the best out of these suppliers and uh, I think the first thing to say is you actually have to proactively manage their performance and mm-hmm. you you need to have checkpoints within your program to have commercial discussions mm. that are, are beyond your day-to-day delivery of the project or program discussions mm. so so you you actually sit and you talk about performance and Issues, risks, yeah, you know, absolutely. in terms of the commercial relationship. Um, but it's always beneficial, wherever possible, to ensure that all parties involved in in this phase of the programme can see a path through to... Actually, there's maybe some ongoing. This is a long-term relationship. There's mm. some ongoing opportunity for revenue. There's an ongoing opportunity to to continue working with mm. with uh, you know the, these vendors with you as a client, because uh, you know obviously to the the vendor there's a you know, potential of future revenues that, mm. that you know they want to, to secure, mm. um, but also it really helps with trying to fix problems in the here and now. Mm. If if the parties believe this is a one-time mm-hmm. game. You're going to yeah. have a different set of behaviors than than if they think this is going to be a repeat game where mm. there's you know there's there's you know a value in the relationship beyond whether somebody's right or wrong on this particular yeah. point.
0: Yeah, and uh, and that needs to be set out way up front when you create your contract, your business case. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, these the, these types of transformation programs um, rarely stop on day one. Yeah. Right, so there's there's always yeah there's always a, an opportunity to create a long lasting relationship. And if you have, we talked a little bit uh, we talked earlier about mentality and, and behaviors and these types of things. If you don't set those right up front, the relationship will end. Yes. Once once you're live, yeah. Um, and the likelihood is that there'll be a, a, a contracting opportunity for support services, um, you know, through life support for whatever it is that you're implementing. Yeah. With potentially a different supplier,
1: yes, yeah,
0: uh, which, which adds you know, it. There's having that continuity is really, really helpful uh, as you transition, as you embed your what what you've built. Um, so having that long-lasting relationship is is, is possible. So yes, have the right behaviours throughout the program because you're more likely to end up with something win-win for everybody.
1: Yeah. So as a, as a program sponsor, one of the things you want to be looking at is. How does the program team talk mm. about the different suppliers? Yeah, are they are they taking kind of a transactional approach to the relationship, or a strategic
0: one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and the sponsor has a role to sort of oh, shape absolutely, that. Yeah. shape that because you know it's um, the sponsor. You know, the sponsor may well have a, a vested interest in building that long long term relationship with our with our vendor. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So if you if if you're if your program team is coming to you with every single missed milestone, every defect, and it's really breaking down into a them and us sort of dynamic, yeah. you, need to you break really it. need to address that very, very quickly. It, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. But that's not to say that the program team or the program manager that's managing that kind of day to day relationship with a project manager or program manager, depending on which mm. level, um, they shouldn't be a soft touch. No, Uh, they shouldn't just accept every change in in scope the in timeline in cost they shouldn't be signing every change
0: request without question no 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 it's you know there's rules of engagement right so who you know in a spirit of collaboration yes but we're still still got commercial relationships between all the parties yeah um you know we mustn't forget that there's a contract to deliver a particular service and it's not delivering a service at all costs. Yes. You know, it's, uh, um, there's the there's spirit of, of working together, which is really, really important, but also understanding that there's a commercial relationship here as well and we mustn't forget that. Yeah. Um, I think, again,
1: this is where client-side advisors can come in because if a program team is not mm. fully versed with it is they're doing, then then having somebody that can constructively challenge
0: Mm.
1: change requests as they come in, you can end up with a much better solution, because it could be that the individual functional consultant, if we're talking technology Mm. here, has just thought about the solution in one way, and the one way is just to apply a whole load of time to the the Mm. problem, and that ends up with a a quite sizable cost, whereas somebody coming in from the outside with a fresh pair of eyes can say, well, hold on. You don't need to do it that way. Yeah. You could just make this change over here, and you know what? There's no need to to mm. to, to put those extra hours in. Therefore, there's no no yeah. no cost change.
0: Yeah, and and actually, this the systems um, the technology vendors will also appreciate the fact that they've got that there's somebody there that client side, just um, you know, being a voice of reason around change. Yeah. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? And the client advisor would. May well come in and say yes, cliented client. That could be a good thing, but actually, the system's constrained by X, Y, and Z. And by the way, if you implement that, these are the consequences in your BAU. Yeah. So think very carefully about what you're asking um, you know, the technology vendor to do. So it's it plays it it it's a role that can play. They can be positive in both sides of the camp.
1: Yes, yeah, it's one of the areas to look out for, isn't it? Is the the, the change requests and the frequency that they're coming in and the validity the balance. of them. Yeah, the validity mm. and also the balance between how many are we approving versus rejecting. Mm. And if you've got too many that you're approving or too many that you're rejecting, it suggests that you've got some problem somewhere in the relationship. If you've and got t- too treat many
0: it as warnings. If you've got too yeah. many change requests in the first place, yeah. your you scoped the program proper. Yeah, your yeah. yeah, original design is it's probably not not quite right
1: yeah yeah oh dear so the the final piece is really around making sure that you've got adequate time at the start um of 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 the relationship to scope out that that statement of work with with all the relevant people and that you build in especially with management consultants and implementation partners plenty of time for knowledge transfer as you go because it in you know, our shared view, mm. um, the the objective for all suppliers, as far as you can contractually put it in, mm. it is to ensure the client is as self sufficient as humanly possible at the point of go live. Yeah, and unless you build that into your commercial negotiations and your contracting right up front, that's not the default.
0: No, no, that is that, that is a um, it's an interesting one because there can be a lot of ambiguity. Mm. Uh, um, around um, around sort of self sufficiency because the client will absolutely be expecting to be self sufficient at day one, but naturally the um, the way maybe technology gets implemented isn't um, aligned to that, yes. um, and it's only it's only at the very end. When knowledge transfer starts to happen, that the a client starts to sort of take accountability for it, but it comes at the point quite close to go live, where you don't have all the all the tools and all to 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 support and sustain um, you know, to support the system. Yes, yeah. So build that into the contract every right up front, and find the mechanisms, mechanisms in place that allow you to be self-sufficient when this thing gets switched on
1: yeah and uh, if you haven't done so already go back and listen to the previous episode where we were talking about the future support model and how important it is to start thinking about this stuff right now yeah Um, so We've covered off today quite a broad series of topics. So uh, when we're talking about um, suppliers and getting the best out of them, first use them in the right way and make sure everyone in the programme team is fully aware of everybody's role and different Mm. vendors, different suppliers and and the programme team. Uh, The different roles that that there are and how they work together. Um, Avoiding confusion. If Mm. if you've got suppliers fulfilling multiple roles on the programme, how best to plug in different vendors at different levels of the organization, whether that's part of your governance or part of your design and the different mm-hmm. options that we've got there. Managing the performance of suppliers and how, how best to kind of focus on those long-term relationships. and some of the warning signs to look out for mm. when it comes to change requests and the volume of them and uh, yeah. how many you are approving and, and mm. turning down uh, and then the final piece is on on knowledge transfer mm. so uh, as ever uh, this is a huge topic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we could talk at much yeah. more length on this one yeah, but this, uh, season,
0: this season this this weird topic they got there's 10 episodes of them by of itself
1: yes but bearing in mind that this is uh, you know t- 10 key success factors in a, a transformation transformation. transformation program that at minimum is going to last a year so it's probably unsurprising that there's quite a bit to discuss so next week integrations and reporting Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. This episode focused on one of 10 critical success factors in the build phase of transformation. If you'd like to be at the front of the queue for next week's episode, please hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to like the show if you found it useful. To learn about the scoping phase of transformation, head over to season one and look out for future seasons on transition and optimization. If you have any questions or opinions you'd like to share, please contact me, Jason West, on LinkedIn or via our website, underscore-group.com.